0: So there is this thing that I say, Um, I probably say it too much actually, and at this point it's more or less just a throwaway phrase, Uh, but if someone comes up to me with a question and and I perceive that there is not much hanging in the balance, or I perceive that it's really not my place to, to comment on the situation I'm being asked about, I have the habit of saying go with your heart. Just go with your heart. Whatever your heart is telling you right now, just do that. So if ever you join us for our monthly cooking for the shortstop shelter, uh, and you ask me how finely the celery should be chopped up for the macaroni salad or whatever gourmet item we were making that night, I'm going to tell you, go with your heart. Or if you show up over at uh, the Friday Cafe over there in Cambridge to, to meet and serve your homeless neighbors, uh, and you ask me how you should fold the sweaters to be put out on the donation table to be given away, I'm going to tell you, you know, just go with your heart. Or, if entirely hypothetically, you happen to be my wife, and every single morning before you go to work, You ask me, should I wear this pair of shoes with this outfit or this pair of shoes with this outfit, hypothetically speaking, while we both know full well that my opinion has no effect whatsoever on the final outcome of your decision, your final decision, and why we engage in this preposterous activity every single morning, I don't know, but hypothetically speaking, Uh, but in that situation, too, I'm going to say, go with your heart, but unfortunately for me, according to this morning's reading, that is about the worst possible th- advice that you could give to any other human being. Because, says Jesus in this morning's passage, if someone comes up to you with a question about how finely they should chop celery, and you tell them to go with their hearts, uh, there is a likelihood that they could you know, throw that celery stalk on the r- ground and go out and commit grand theft auto. Because, says Jesus, all evil intentions, all wickedness, all treachery, he says, he says it comes from within, not from without. All those nasty things that we do to other people. There's no devil made me do it, get out of jail free card. That was you and your hearts, says Jesus. It was you and your heart that lied, you and your heart that stole, you and your heart that spread rumors about Janice from accounting at work. There's no getting out of it. It is you and your heart. Evil comes from within, not from without. There's not a lot of wiggle room in this morning's passage for us. And usually when this topic comes up, when we're talking about how our hearts have a tendency to lead us astray or how our minds have this beautiful way of just rationalizing any horrible thing that we want to do, uh, the usual answer, uh, I guess, that that I give when I'm standing up here is, is to say, you know, that's why we have church communities like this one. We're a group of people who can speak the truth in love to one another who can hold each other accountable, hopefully in gentle ways. We can lift each other up so that we all can be the best possible versions of ourselves that we can be. And on the best of days, the absolute best of days, that is exactly what the work of church community accomplishes. But as we see in this morning's reading, And perhaps, as you may have experienced in your own life, uh, that is not always the case. And perhaps not even usually the case, is it? Uh, So, our story opens this morning. And Jesus' disciples are coming under fire from the Pharisees uh, for not washing their hands. And it's not that they were just kind of gross and not washing their hands because they were dirty. Um, But they're talking about ritual hand-washing. The Pharisees had a very complicated process of washing their hands and washing all of their vessels, their their plates and their utensils and their cups, uh, before they ate. But not the disciples. They were diving right in. They were chowing down, didn't think twice about it. And they were coming under fire from the Pharisees for it. In response... Jesus fires back with some critiques of his own. He points to to some pretty morally questionable behavior uh, that is being aided and abetted by the Pharisees' own religious community. Now, in previous weeks, we talked about how the rabbis of old each had their own special, unique way of interpreting the Torah. And that is 100% true. However, the rabbis of old were of one mind when it came to interpreting the fifth commandment. Or if you come from a Catholic background, that's actually numbered as the fourth commandment. Uh, It was the commandment mentioned in today's reading. Can anyone recall what commandment that was? Honor thy father and mother. So the rabbis of old, they agreed on basically nothing. Matters big and small, they, they agreed on nothing. And yet they agreed wholeheartedly, they were of one mind, that that this commandment meant that you must take care of your parents in old age. They agreed totally on this point. But at the time, Jews in general, and Pharisees in particular, uh, they had this extra-biblical custom uh, in which they could declare a portion of their stuff a portion of their property, of their produce, of their money. They could declare a portion of their stuff as Corbin. Corbin. It means dedicated to or consecrated to God. And notably, the, the second that something was pronounced as Corbin, it, it was irreversibly dedicated to the temple, and it could be used for no other purpose at all. So apparently, what a lot of people in the Pharisees, this Pharisees' religious community were doing was they were taking the portion of their stuff that was supposed to be used to support their elderly parents and they were pronouncing it Corbin, meaning that they could not give it to their parents, meaning that it had to stay in their possession until such a time as they turned it over to the temple, if that time ever actually came, most people were betting that it wouldn't. So what we have going on in this religious community is not people speaking truth and love to one another, not people gently holding each other to account Not people lifting each other up so that they could be the best possible versions of themselves that they could be. But rather we have people taking what could be just a really beautiful religious tradition, right? Taking a portion of what you have and setting it aside for God. Setting it aside for God's purposes. That could be a beautiful, beautiful tradition. But what we see in today's passage is that it's becoming a vehicle for the very worst impulses of people's hearts. Far from being a community that that was uplifting each other to be better people. They were just being horrible people, albeit in a religious way. And here I kind of want to emphasize that this is not a Jewish problem. Uh, Not at all. This is a human problem that we're encountering in this passage today. And you're going to encounter it whether you're Buddhist, whether you're Muslim, and especially, especially you're going to encounter it if you count yourself as a Christian. And what this means for us is that just being part of a church community, of a religious community, is not enough to fix our hearts. What we need is to be part of a particular kind of religious community, a particular kind of church. And when I say that, I don't mean a church that, that you know affirms all the right beliefs. Uh, just this week I came across a study put out by Gordon Conwell Seminary. Uh, and if you've never heard of that, uh, it is a, a super conservative seminary up in the North Shore a super conservative Protestant seminary. Uh, And they put out this study uh, two years ago, 2017, uh, and they found that worldwide, there are 47,000, 47,000 Protestant denominations. Distinctive denominations, each one more self-righteous than the last. And so that's not even taking into account the Catholic Church. That's not even taking into account the various flavors of Orthodox Christianity that are out there. That's just Protestant Christianity. And what that means is that if you're looking to walk into a church that is going to heal your heart because they have the perfectly right constellation of beliefs, the odds are not in your favor. Not in the least. You don't stand a chance out there. And instead, what the human heart needs the very most, uh, and this is a point that, that is going to get hammered home over the next few weeks as we go through chapters 8 and 9 of the Gospel of Mark, but what the human heart needs more than anything is a faith and a faith community whose foremost value is humility. A faith community that recognizes as the Apostle Paul says, uh, that we see but in a mirror dimly. That we don't know it all. That we don't do everything right. That even our most beautiful traditions are wont to become vehicles of the worst impulses of our hearts. And as I always like to say, humility is not about self-flagellation. It's not about feeling down on yourself. It's about being Honest is about being able to admit that I'm not perfect and I hate to have to break it to you like this, but, but you're not perfect and together as a community, we're not perfect. Humility is about letting go of that need to pretend to be perfect and it's about turning to God and opening up our lives so that the love of God can, can shine in on us. And God's grace and God's love and God's goodness can can enter our hearts, can transform our hearts. And we can be the people that God made us to be. We can do the work that God has called us to do. And we can say to one another, eventually, someday, go with your heart and trust and know that only good things will come from it. Friends, may we be so. Amen.